MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. And I'm Ben. We are here with Noel Red Dawn Brown, which means, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you are in the right place. Most importantly, you're here. That makes this... Stuff they don't want you to know. That's just that's the theme for today. Yeah, uh, and before we get started, just a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. Uh, I, I don't know what the guys on the other shows call it, but uh, just to let everybody know that we're fine. We're we're trekking along. You're gonna see our uh, publishing schedule changing a little bit uh, over the next few weeks because we are working on um well no spoilers but we're working on something big and we hope you guys enjoy it yes we're, we're also working on how stuff works proper content as well as stuff they don't want you to know ben and i have many many roles here at how mm-hmm. stuff works so you know we're not falling off by any means you're still going to get those videos mm-hmm. just maybe a few fewer just for the time being Right, or maybe on different days, mm-hmm. but we will still have our audio and video shows going, and we still respond uh, to listener requests, because again, the best ideas come from uh, you guys out there, and... That's where this one came from. Yep. Uh, we got lots of people on Facebook, on Twitter, everywhere, YouTube. emails, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Guys, gotta cover Jade Helm. More specifically, Jade Helm 15. 
we received a lot of questions about this, and of course, uh, we looked into it. We have a video uh, that should be out as as we're recording this. That's a, a little 101 about some of the primary concerns and uh, arguments regarding Jade Helm 15. Mm-hmm. But with this with this episode, we wanted to take a little time and and walk through it in a way that we can't always do in video. True. So to start our 101, let's discuss what exactly Jade Helm 15 is. Mm-hmm. The first thing you need to know is that it is a realistic military exercise. Uh, an RMT, realistic military training. Uh, this is on domestic soil and it is a, it occurs rather across multiple states. Yes. And it is taking place not just in Texas. That is the main place that we have heard about it. That's where a lot of the press and um, the right. media is talking about yeah. right now. But it's taking place across seven states, New Mexico, Arizona, California, Utah, Nevada, Colorado, and Texas. Now, the actual operations themselves, which we'll get into, are not taking place in all seven of those states. They're taking place in five. Uh, were I to guess one of the states that's probably not involved with the actual um, military on the ground doing stuff kind of situation, I imagine Colorado due to NORAD, would be more of a um, think tank or brain center. Yeah, perhaps some of the communications coming from that center. But I might be wrong. Uh, So we do know seven states total, as you said, Matt, five states with operations occurring. But when does this all go down? Well, it officially kicks off on July 15th, and then it goes all the way to the 15th of September. That's eight full weeks of exercising and training. Um, that's pretty, ex- I mean, that's, that's a long amount of time and mm-hmm. I can only imagine how difficult it has been like gearing up for this, for the people trying to organize it. Mm-hmm. Eight yeah. weeks of training. Right. I don't want to use, overuse the word officially here. Uh, but what we will have to do is, is draw a dividing line between some of the, uh, Sanctioned statements or responses on the part of the government and, as we will find, on the part of some private businesses versus uh, the accusations or allegations or the unofficial stories from other sources. Mm-hmm. So so here's the thing. And this is a huge part about military exercises in general. Uh, here's Here's the thing. The stated intent of a military exercise no matter where it occurs in the world, does not always jibe completely with the actual intent or motivation for that. So we do have a a quotation here from a uh, a PowerPoint we found by the U.S. Army Special Operations Command for their request to hold uh, this RMT realistic military training in Texas. Here's the quotation. Jade Helm is a U.S. Special Operations Command-sponsored exercise to improve the Special Operations Forces' UW capability as part of the National Security Strategy. Okay, I don't know that I fully understand that statement. It sounds it sounds like a press release. I guess it is a press right. release. Yeah, essentially what they're saying is that they want to be able to have uh, better performing soldiers and tighter processes or proven operations. Gotcha, gotcha. And it's a and it's going to be as we'll find out a different kind of fighting. But who who are the people involved in this? Who's oh, participating? Man, you've got a ton of groups. You've got the US Army Special Forces Command. That's the the Green Berets. 
You've got the U.S. Navy SEALs. You know uh, those guys. If you, uh, I don't know. I always think about Jesse Ventura now when I think of a uh, Navy <laughs> SEAL. Right. Uh, former Navy SEAL. The U.S. Marine Expeditionary Units, the 82nd Airborne Division, and also interagency partners. So these could, interagency partner, of course, is a group term. This could allude to a liaison function on the part of FEMA, maybe the FBI or mm-hmm. the, uh, I don't really see the DEA, but, you know, just another government agency. Uh, the, oh, I forget the gentleman's name. Uh, the person who came and spoke to a group of people in Texas and was trying to explain what Jade Helm was to them at a town hall meeting, he kept, uh, he kept saying that the Homeland, the Office of Homeland Security was not a part of this. Although that's what I would see as an interagency partner, like someone just kind of connecting up all the, uh, all right. the different groups. I've heard about that, but I have not myself uh, watched that video. We do know that a lot of people are fielding concerns and reactions. A lot of listeners out there, especially you Texans tuning in, uh, have have been telling us that there is a I, I don't want to say an ubiquitous fear, uh, but there is a widespread concern about certain things. And the populations, not just in Texas, are, are having reactions, uh, concerns about, well, one, the idea of a takeover, right? Yeah, uh, bringing this large military force in and uh, just kind of subjugating the people of Texas. That's At least that's uh, what Texans were uh were saying they had concern for during that town hall meeting. Um, I don't know why, but especially in Texas, I think I think there's just the history there of being wary of federal oversight, federal government and control. Well, that's yeah, that's part of it. That's definitely a cultural thing. Uh, there's another concern, by the way, of the idea of in internment of what would be hostile mm-hmm. elements. And of course, that has its own precedent in the forced internment. Um, or let's be honest and call it imprisonment mm-hmm. of uh, Japanese American citizens during World War II, uh, but but we can answer the question as to why Texas because it's it's more than just a cultural thing. Uh, what would be called the uh, a conspiracy theory was given credence by the political machinery of Texas, and this made it super popular and brought it into the public eye. And away from just a town hall. Um, yeah, this happened yeah. after there was so. I guess he was just getting email after email and calls, and just people stopping him on the street and saying, "What are you doing about Jade Helm 15?" Because um, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, he ordered the National Guard, the state's National Guard, to monitor the exercise, which is, I don't know, I, I guess maybe you would want to do that, but it seems like a. a a use of resources that is not necessary. Yeah, and one thing that's interesting about the Texas National Guard is that it is one of the uh, one of the re- relatively rare state level organizations in the U.S. that is independent of the federal hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas has uh, something called the Texas Military Forces, and there are three branches. One would be the Texas Army National Guard. Uh, the other would be the Texas State Guard. And then there's the Texas Air National Guard. So Abbott, I think, to ease the concerns of the citizenry, mm-hmm. wrote to these guys, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, he wrote a letter to the, the Texas National Guard requesting they monitor the proceedings because, quote, 
It is important that Texans know their safety, constitutional rights, private property rights, and civil liberties will not be infringed. Uh, and this managed to really just elevate this conversation to a, a you know, a, a, a nationwide level where everyone was talking about this. The Daily Show, as you mentioned in our vlog, talked about this. Right. And this wasn't just a uh, so so what we found ourselves in is a situation where in the politician attempting to assuage voter concerns actually caused a lot of the hubbub. He's not the only I mean there wouldn't be any concern if there wasn't being an operation, mm-hmm. but uh, he's one of the prime movers in the public sphere. Yeah, he validated these concerns. And and it's great. I mean, it is interesting the way this whole thing has played out to not, me. Yeah, not to be cynical, but it's a great way to get some to shore up your voting base, too. <laughs> there you go. Right. Uh, so Senator Ted Cruz also joined the fray. He wrote to the Pentagon fairly recently as we record this, asking for more information about what exactly Jade Helm was. And here's where we, we run into some interesting stuff, uh, because... I was talking to somebody about this on Twitter, and they okay. were saying, what, "What's going on here? Why are people worried about Jade Helm?" And one of the one of the things that I, I had to know, uh, for in all fairness, was that it is, in theory, uh, for the non crooked ones, it is a politician's job to represent their voters, their constituency, mm-hmm. not just the companies or the wealthy paying them to, you know, jump through political hoops. I said it. I'm sorry. It's, it's not an opinion. It's a fact uh, that their job is to represent voters. And so I see absolutely nothing wrong with if your voters have a concern, even if you think it's total malarkey, uh, it's, it's sort of your job to say, OK, I will at least try to find out what's going on for you. Yeah. Oh, I you you know, you make a great point there, man. That's a that's really great. I mean, what do you think though? Because uh, I know that they've probably received some flack for for uh, I guess what, what you used the word earlier was so good validating, mm-hmm. right? Like, are they validating or fanning the fires of of alarmism paranoia? and yeah. paranoia, um, or are they doing their job? And maybe it's kind of both. Yeah, it sounds like a little column A, a little column B, right? <laughs> but, okay, so what what exactly are they looking for? What are these rumors and these allegations? What do we mean when we say takeover? Well, yeah, we, we talked about that, the, the idea of Texans being afraid that the federal government is going to swoop in with all these agencies and basically negate the rights, constitutional rights that they have as citizens, mm-hmm. uh, not only of the United States, but also of Texas. And um, I mean, kind of almost like a, a false flag Red Dawn. Like okay. The, the plot yeah. of the movie Red Dawn, not the new one. Not the new one? Uh, no. Let's uh, see. The old one, it's uh, the, the Russian forces that invade mm-hmm. the heartland of America, right? Well, yeah, because, I, okay, I, just tell me if this is too far out on a limb. Soviet forces. Soviet forces, Sorry. exactly. Sorry, Communist guys. forces. Right. So the the idea here in a lot of minds, I would say, is that this, um, gosh, man, it's so hard to, to not generalize. I'm just going to give you uh, my hypoth- hypothetical view of what I think a one person in Texas believes. Is yeah. that is that okay? Is that yeah, too much? Totally, totally. Okay, this communist president that perhaps this person believes in, or socialist president, or 
let's say, Muslim president uh-huh. is going to come in here with all his forces and take over Texas because Texas is one of those last bastions of true American freedom. That's the idea? I can imagine that if you're, especially if we're comparing it to the Red Dawn uh, plot, mm-hmm. the idea that this uh, red force or whatever, this other force is coming in, even though it is an interior shores. Yeah. Okay. That you know, I I see that there there are some uh, as people have proposed, there are there are some issues with this. Uh, first, at this point, at this point at least, there is no solid proof that uh, we could find that would say this was occurring. But also, of course. Yes, for everybody who's listening now and thinking, uh, well, of course there wouldn't be proof if it was supposed, to, if it was a real operation. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. Uh, and we do know furthermore that military exercises in the past have often had dual purposes, at least that is, uh, foreign operations. And not just from the U.S., but from Iran, China, um, NATO, multiple European countries, Russia especially, and Russia recently. But uh, there, there are some problems with this idea too, right? Well, the first and I think biggest problem uh, is that everybody knows about it right now. Mm-hmm. Well, most people know what it is and that it's happening. And if anything were to actually occur where a takeover was going to happen or was happening, mm-hmm. everybody with their cell phone, is going to be filming it, right? If something crazy uh, is going true, down. Yeah. The the scary thing is that uh, it, there will be a vacuum. It, as this thing is occurring, there will be a vacuum of not knowing what is exercise. You know, if anything actually happens while this exercise is going down. Right. That is kind of scary to me mm-hmm. because how do you how do you know what is exercise and what is real life? And that's that's kind of where I think a lot of these concerns even come from mm-hmm. the root cause. Yeah, and the there there's another idea here. Like if it's if it is massively public and, and I love the point you bring up about communication there, uh then then why would it be massively public if there was this this thing occurring? And furthermore, if you live in Utah, Colorado, Nevada, California, Arizona, New Mexico or Texas and you happen to have a cell phone handy on you when you see something strange going down, go ahead and tweet Matt Noel and myself at conspiracy stuff because you do have that power and everyone mm-hmm. does with a cell phone. Everyone can speak to, and for now at least, everyone can speak to the globe or anyone with an internet connection semi-directly. Uh, there's another thing here that kind of bugs me, which mm-hmm. is people don't, people who do believe something is going down don't seem to agree on what that threat would be, you know? Yeah, that, that is true. Um, I mean, is it, is it that ISIS is going to do something or maybe the government working with ISIS in a false flag fashion? Mm-hmm. Um, is it Russians arming domestic insur- insurgents? Is that uh, a thing that we really need to worry about? Or maybe is just the president making a bid for some kind of un- unconstitutional, I don't know, a third term maybe? Ah, okay. Trying to pull a, an FDR, huh? <laughs> maybe. Uh, I mean, uh, Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We do know that uh, statistically speaking, and this is so sad to admit, but statistically speaking, uh, presidents as a whole have a propensity to uh, be presidents for longer than they're elected. Interesting. I mean, it's true. Not not U.S. presidents. U.S. presidents, for the most part, mm-hmm. are, uh, are are keeping the average and keeping the curve going. 
But we cannot sit here on the air and pretend like there aren't precedents for life in multiple situations, sometimes due to a manufactured crisis, sometimes due to the dubious honor of surviving a coup and coming down on your population. Again, we are not talking about the U.S., as far as we know. Um, we're talking more about countries like um, like Zimbabwe, for instance, and okay. Mugabe. But, uh, that, again, that's a story for another day. <laughs> I would love to do something on the IMF in Zimbabwe. Please. But now we have to talk about uh, one of the one of the really fascinating parts of this story, this Jade Helm story, because something else happened around the time Jade Helm was getting public attention. The Walmart angle. This is really, really weird. So Walmart suddenly and temporarily closed several stores in the area that we're talking about, uh, apparently due to ongoing plumbing issues. That's what was heard on the news, at least. Right. Um and consequently, they had to shut it down to make uh, large-scale repairs inside these Walmart facilities. Uh, then you started to hear people speculating that these stores would either be internment camps or perhaps food distribution centers or maybe just centers to be used in Jade Helm in some way. Uh, Zero Hedge even had a really interesting thought. What if Walmart is closing these centers as a reaction to increasing minimum wage? Kind of uh, an intimidation tactic. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
fam. I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I took special interest in that theory because in uh, one of the stores that closed, I think, was in Los Angeles. It's one of the first places where workers began agitating for a higher wage or a quote-unquote a living wage. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Walmart closing down. Uh, like, okay, here's the thing. People who think that there is uh, something rotten afoot mm-hmm. in the uh, in the Jade Helm operation uh, believe that this is a false flag uh, and that these Walmarts, which are being closed for a long time, seriously, yeah. uh, that these might be being rigged for explosives or that they're going to be you know, as you said, like internment camps or something. But although although there's no evidence, of course, that people are rigging up Walmarts, of all things, to explode or to become internment centers at this point, uh, there are some there are some weird things. One of those is that there have been no plumbing repair permits issued or plumbing work, you know, of that scale. Yeah, well, allegedly that we know of, right? Right, right. Um, <laughs> at the time at, of this recording, yes. yes. Um, also, this the the way they were closed simultaneously is rather strange to me. Yeah, if they all yeah. had plumbing problems, but maybe it was just maybe maybe they were all built with kind of the same plumbing insides, and then they realized, oh man, yeah. these things are gonna explode in like ten days. We gotta yeah. shut down now. Yeah, they're like a liability or something. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they did have some. Of the most, uh, they, they had some of the highest reports of plumbing incidents in the fleet, which I did not know is what Walmart refers to their stores as Ooh. the fleet. And that's according to their spokespeople. Uh, you can read their copy in full uh, online. Uh, but one, wh- here's what happened. So apparently, according to the story, on the day these things close, Walmart executives, higher higher level management types, Go into the, the stores that are closing, call an impromptu meeting in the back of the store and say, we're closing tonight. <laughs> which is, which is a heck of a lot to hear because I mean, imagine you're in that situation. You've got a family, maybe, mm-hmm. right? You might be working two jobs, right? Which is increasingly the case with a lot in of people. In all likelihood, yeah. And, uh, you uh you might have rent due. You might have to try to figure out how you're going to stay afloat, you know? Well it's- yeah, and you're maybe you're the middle manager or something and you've got to tell all your people who are coming in later tonight to stock that sorry, go no. You right to be here, and all of those people dealing in that situation. And is that really for plumbing? That's a good question. Yeah, you would, as an employee, oh my gosh, you need to know this information. Well, especially with the the... 
the the management often at Walmart, especially on a larger level, when you look at their supply chain and logistics and stuff, uh, regardless of how you feel about it personally, you can see there's something very clever going on. Uh, they're good at planning. So if you're really closing for plumbing repairs, you probably have the planning capability to do a little bit better than, say, oh, derp. Tonight's the night. And then it's going to be six months to a year, and then we're going to have this thing ready to go. Which means it takes more time to repair the plumbing problems than it does to build a new Walmart supercenter. Right. Well, that's that's the accusation. We we don't know where it is. We found no proof of um, tunnels at this point or no, oh. no, no proof of, like, tunnels going beneath the ground or some of the other a- allegations. But we can say that... I don't know, Matt. There's something sketchy about the closure of those stores. Yeah, I think this right here is its own thing almost. Like, yeah. Besides Jade Helm 15, there's something fishy going on with Walmart in these yeah, areas. Regardless of whether they are related or they just happen to coincide in time. Mm-hmm. But now this gets us to one of the most troubling aspects about Jade Helm, which I think we may have touched on in the video. Uh, the idea that even if this is on the up and up, even if this is just a military exercise to train U.S. forces uh, to fight. Oh, I should have said that at the top with that quote, that UW, mm-hmm. that, that abbreviation stands for unconventional warfare. Yes. And terrain that they're not used to training on. Right. Yeah. So this this would be um fighting, uh, like having different rules of engagement almost, mm-hmm. uh, and a familiarization that doesn't really occur in the classroom or on the base. So the troubling thing about this, even if it is on the up and up and is just to train people and there's nothing, um, there's nothing illegal or unconstitutional or any kind of nefarious plan for the states involved in this, there is one troubling thing, which is that it is a military exercise, and we don't hear about military exercises as often as we should. No. They're like this invisible news story. So we'd like to talk a little bit about those and, and let you know what these things actually are. Absolutely. So the first thing is that there are several different types of military exercises. Uh, the first one is a field exercise, and this is where you are actually outside somewhere. You're in some kind of theater of training. This could be anything from a city cityscape to just in, you know, um, out in the desert somewhere. Sure. And uh, this is stuff where you're firing blanks or practicing some kind of naval maneuver off the coast, let's say, of another country or maybe even off your own coast. And a field military exercise is really just a dress rehearsal for actually being in war. You know, that's an, that's an interesting turn of phrase. I'm glad you use it there. The, there's, a, there's a second kind which occurs more and more frequently now as technology evolves, and that is the simulation, the military simulation. So think of this as if – if a field exercise is dress rehearsal for mm-hmm. war, then a military simulation is war without the war. Yeah. I guess. Uh, because the, this, this goes back to some of the earliest history of how military exercises and war games began because, you know, you're looking like, at, you're looking at a map mm-hmm. or you're looking at a model and you try to manipulate these various models through different scenarios 
to see what could happen. You sometimes hear these called war games. Mm-hmm. And for me, this is really testing the communications of the, the different groups that are involved in this kind of thing and sure. whether or not we can all see the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if what you see is to be translated as whatever aggression inside this war game, it's really right. interesting stuff. Also, we're, it's, it's strange because in many, in many ways, it's an attempt of sorts to Ah, what's the word, Ben? It's an attempt to quantify mm-hmm. large-scale human action, which is a dangerous game. Yeah, uh, but it, it is it is definitely that kind of attempt. If if we modify variable B by twelve percent, what you know, what shakes out after that, and what we learn about this? And, and don't get me wrong, uh, technology is increasing at a terrifying rate in terms of intelligence. But the uh, right now, we still have problems fitting human decisions into those sorts of boxes. We've made a lot of great strides, like mm-hmm. with game theory and stuff, but we're still kind of guessing. And there's another type of uh, military exercise, too. Oh, yeah, there is a joint exercise. And this is when two separate militaries or perhaps separate agencies mm-hmm. work together and they conduct an exercise together. Like, uh, let's say the U.S. and the Republic of Korea come together. Mm-hmm. That's South Korea. And they do an exercise off the coast. Oh, and then yeah. North Korea is like, what are you doing? Yeah, China as well, probably. Yeah. China is not especially wild about having about the U.S. pivot toward Asia. Okay, so we've got those three types. We've got joint exercise, simulation, and a field exercise. Uh, the reasoning here, and this is another time where we have to use the word official, mm-hmm. the reasoning here is that this serves several purposes. We test equipment, right, and we perform maintenance if necessary. So our uh, F-15s or F-35s or our Abrams M-1s don't just crumble into crockpot shards in mm-hmm. the middle of an actual war. Soldier training. What what are these guys going to do when when they're actually in the field? Uh, the idea of these game planning and these scenarios is that you can maximize effectiveness while hopefully minimizing casualty or the the cost of war just in terms of material because mm-hmm. uh, can't be wasting those million dollar missiles. Oh yeah, and there was a um, oh man. I'm trying to remember this, but but if you're if you're interested in this kind of stuff about military actions abroad, this is such a sidebar, Matt. I'm sorry, but it's okay. A long time ago, on one of our other house stuff work shows, uh, car stuff, uh, the uh, Scott, my co-host on that show, and I looked at uh, this this military plan to make jet fuel from seawater. I feel like I remember this. Yeah, yeah, it popped up on the net a while back, and we're reading into it this this concept. And while we were reading into it, we learned about the supply chains required to sustain vehicles in in foreign spheres. Like the the cost per gallon of gas is. Uh, think of a number, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and let me assure you, it's higher than that per per gallon because you have to you have to also factor in the cost of a tanker to transport that or a helicopter to fly it out to an inhospitable region somewhere in Eurasia or something. So there there really is not just like I want to make sure people understand it's not just planning to save blood and treasure, it's planning 
to not go broke in the process. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Trying to maximize efficiency in all of these different things. Right, which sounds great on paper, and that's why it's the official reasoning, mm. along with, like, oh, let's learn how to work better with uh, other agencies or other governments, you know. Mm-hmm. I, but there is a, another purpose, a purpose that mm. bubbles under the surface of these official declarations. Well, what's going on there? Well, I would argue, and we've had a conversation about this off of mic, about military exercises mm. and how there is generally, there are a couple of things that happen, but one of them that always happens or a reason behind a military exercise is posturing of some sort, Mm. political maneuvering, some kind of intimidation. Mm -hmm. So your enemies or the people who may potentially be your enemies see you flex your muscles (laughs) and, you know, just kind of saying, hey, look out, this is what we can do. And you see this in countries across the world. This is by no means a U.S. only thing. Um, And we see this with Iran and the U.S. staging war games across the Strait of Hormuz because of how important that piece of, uh, well, water and land is. Right. Yeah. It's the uh, choke point Mm -hmm. for a big part of the world's oil supply. Hugely important. Mm -hmm. And you just have people staging war games right next to it just to go, hey, look over here. Yeah. And Iran still won't play games with the central banks. Mm -hmm. So that situation's probably not going to be resolved very soon. Ben. What? That's a whole other dark, that out dark territory. No, it's okay. You're absolutely right. Well, okay, but that that's a really great point, Matt, because we do see that uh, we we do see that military exercises, just in the timing and the location, mm-hmm. often seem to be acts of political maneuvering or, as you said, in intimidation, posturing. Mm-hmm. You can also see these exercises as some type of alibi for moving assets across the globe. Mm. So um, just let's say Russia and China, they are moving their assets to the Mediterranean for this joint exercise. And now they've got troops and they've got, uh, they've got ships, ships there yeah. just hanging out that are ready to go for an exercise, though, Ben. Right. Yeah. Not not for real. It's like adding, I'm just saying to a sentence. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying we do have a couple right. of ships in the Mediterranean. Uh, yeah, not for real, but I'm just oh, yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's true. That is, that is a real story. Russia and China are strengthening their military ties and they are conducting exercises, joint military exercises, uh, with one another in the Mediterranean. This is sticky because, uh, China recently acquired its first quote unquote aircraft carrier. So it's not. Yes. It's it's a retrofitted uh, Russian one, right? And they reverse engineered it, added some some domestic technology, and now they are becoming what's called a blue water navy, or they have been already. Mm-hmm. So, so this could be of concern, especially with if you want to look at the long con, especially Uh-oh. with um, the navigable waterways opening up in the North Pole. Oh wow! So you can just yeah. Russia is all about it, man. Uh, but let's. That's a whole other story, man. Thank whole, you. We're, we're doing so many stories. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so the history of this, the history of these exercises that you often will not hear about in the news, but have an enormous effect on the performance of militaries and the actions of nations. Uh, these, these stretch back, uh, centuries. The modern use of military exercises grew out of this need to study warfare and to reenact 
uh, old battles and try mm-hmm. to learn something from them, right? Yeah, this was military exercises were a way for, um, let's say, commanders and the people in charge, generals of armies to play command and conquer before there was command and conquer. Oh, uh, that's a great, that's a great, uh, comparison. Well, right, because you have to see, well, we need to look at the past. Let's look at this battle and what, what happened during it. What could we have changed mm-hmm. to make it better for, for us or worse for them? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really interesting to me. And, uh, if also the idea that if you train your troops and discipline them in a way that they have seen this before, this isn't the first time they're being, even if it's virtually shot at right. inside a trench or something like that, then they're going to respond more predictably. They're, you're going to have that muscle memory. You're going to um, also allow them to, you're going to allow the generals to see what kind of maneuvers they can, or you know, I say generals, but the commanders. Yeah. Uh, what kind of maneuvers they can send down to their troops that makes it more effective on on all counts. Right, how to most effectively react to your opponent's maneuvers mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and uh, so there's this old game, this older game that uh, some of our uh, military members of the audience or maybe veterans have heard about before and uh, probably historians too, military historians. It's, uh, it's called Kriegspiel, Kriegspiel, uh, K-R-I-E-G-S-P-I-E-L. This was invented in the early 1800s. You'll hear numbers from like 1810 to 1812, but let's call it 1811. Uh, and officers in the Prussian army love this because they were able to, they were able to use dice to stand in for the fog of war and the uncertainty or lack of information. And people still play this game. There are two different ways to play it. There's one with very strict rules. There's one that's called like the, the free version. And people are still fans of this game. You listeners might be uh, familiar with it yourself. But the point is from that, we still have, um, war games that are used by 21st century modern militaries and there's a uh there's an author that uh you should know of called Manuel de Landa uh who writes extensively about war games and uh has mm-hmm. has one of our recurring characters pops up in the history here and that is the Rand Corporation they uh employed the they employed a fellow named von Neumann who was the uh, brilliant man the originator of game theory mm-hmm. And, uh, determined a lot of the way the U.S. behaved and the West during the Cold War. Um, so the, the nuclear strategy of the U.S. was in its, in its own way, a kind of military exercise, uh, which is frightening when you consider that the, there were real nukes. Yeah. <laughs> they're real nukes. And they're sitting in a room just imagining, well, if, if the Soviet Union launches their nuclear missiles at this time, how much time do we have to react? And just, man, that stuff is terrifying to me. That's and, why the old yeah. movie War, was it War Game or War Games? Is that, is that the name of the movie? Maybe War Games, I think. I think it's it War familiar. Games. I can't remember if it's single or plural, but oh man. So great. I have vivid memories of watching that as a kid and just going, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then rewatching it later and just yeah. going, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that's the case with a lot of stuff. Have you ever seen some of those creepy cartoons we watched as kids? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. There's You're a lot right. of stuff that I didn't get. It went over our heads. <laughs> 
Um, and speaking of stuff that uh, went over people's heads, uh, <laughs> one thing that um, one thing that I didn't register for a long time is that since the it, since September 11, 2001, there has been a growing distrust of military exercises, and that goes back to um, that goes back to some of the stuff you hear about military exercises being conducted on the day of the World Trade Center bombing. Oh, yes. Or uh, yeah, the World Trade Center tragedy. Um, do you, uh, I'm not too too familiar with this stuff. Well, I don't want to speak. Uh, I I cannot speak definitively to it. But there were exercises being taking place on that day, that mm-hmm. morning, and they were eerily similar to what was happening in actual world. Okay. Um, there's that wow we we can't even I can't even go into it here because I'll just sit here and mouth off for like half an hour. Now we can ask listeners uh, to to write in and let us know what you know about this. That that might be the best way for us to start exploring that. Oh, that would be great! Please write to us about the military exercises that occurred on the morning of September 11, two thousand one. Right. Uh, there's there's another conspiratorial angle here too, which is that nations might conduct. Or, or uh, intergovernmental alliances like uh, NATO might conduct military exercises for the purpose of warmongering, mm. of pushing another nation to respond in an altercation and thus starting a war. We know that this has been attempted several times with Iran, uh, but... Yeah, well, because then you can claim, oh, well, they hit us first. Right. Right? And yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not in any way saying Iran is some... Dudley do right amongst nation states <laughs> uh, because you know let's it's not really a secret that um, multiple countries pretty much pay terrorist groups and Iran is no exception to that mm-hmm. they pay they pay um, they pay several terrorist groups in the Middle East well you know neither the United States does that too to be fair. Ah, but is it perspective? Is it a freedom fight? One man's freedom fighter is another terrorist. Because as we said, the MEK is considered a terrorist organization by Iran, but not by the United States. And Iran has gone so far as to say that uh, the U.S. funds MEK, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, it depends on, I guess it depends <laughs> on what side of the battle you fall on. But both, make no mistake, both sides of that that altercation are using the same tactics mm-hmm. often. Uh, the conclusion here that we come to, there's a there's a neat little quote um, that I just uh, I wanted to read here. Regarding Jade Helm, a fellow named Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune, said this has become a news item less because of the reaction to the military being there than because of the state government's reaction to that reaction. Nice. Yeah, I want to. I'm I'm super hesitant sometimes with um, the media when it starts becoming its own story. Uh, I was talking off air to our buddy Joe McCormick from mm-hmm. Forward Thinking about this earlier, and one one thing that we have not really done videos on or anything, but listeners, if you are still with us and checking out the show, I'm sure you know. I'm sure you'll recognize what we're about to say. There's an ongoing pedophile cover-up. Oh, man. Yeah. Reaching the top levels of the United Kingdom, and slowly but surely, people are being turned over to the proletarian, the quotidian, and the average uh, non-aristocrat um, as they are dead, 
or as they are too mentally infirm to have consequences for their horrific actions. Uh, this leads people to say that there must be many more, or there must be some active, uh, I think monsters is the appropriate word. Sure. Uh, not just not being affected by the laws, but writing the laws. They say it goes all the way to Parliament. I don't know because the dossier that named all these people was lost, but I bring all this up so you guys know that we're aware of it, but also because uh, there's a point we need to make here, which I, I love when the BBC does this, Matt. And you see other news organizations do this, too. And don't get me wrong. The BBC has some great coverage. Mm-hmm. But something like my spider sense always starts to go off when the story becomes about reporting the story instead of about the story itself. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season. 
where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. So if the BBC, and you guys can note this too, uh, sometimes you will hear, not just on the BBC, but on other channels. CNN. Maybe, yeah, maybe CNN. I, Definitely, I, I've seen this. I'm specifically remembering BBC, but sure, CNN as well. Um, the the thing will become like the, the host interviewer is asking the, the journalist who is reporting the story, like, so what would you say about the process of reporting this story? And then it becomes about the process that, of the the journalist, the professional mm-hmm. making the story more so than the story itself. It's a very clever, subtle kind of conversational jujitsu, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. It, it puts the focus on – that is interesting. It puts the focus directly onto the journalist itself. It almost, it almost, to me, wants to make the act of journalism. It's putting it up a little bit on a pedestal of mm. saying, look how difficult it was to decide what to report about here. I mean, and how yeah. we went about it. And God knows we we need to keep journalism alive. Please. Right. And uh, neither you or I and, and Noel either, uh, we're we're not particularly journalists. Um, Absolutely. Well, yeah, okay, you're but, right. But uh, I, I want to be. <laughs> but I wholeheartedly support uh, journalism, and I, I, think it does, I think it does a great service to the global community. But anyway, watch out. That was a very nice caveat there, Ben. If you want to watch, well, if you want, it's true. Where would we be? You're absolutely absolutely right. Uh, But if you want to, if you want to uh, let us know about deflection tactics you've seen like that, we'd also love to hear about that. Uh, So if we sum up military exercises in general and find some scary things. Well, yeah, the the first thing is that they happen much more than you hear about them happening. Oh, yeah. Much more than you think that they happen because they have to. Uh, in theory, you have to be constantly training if you want anything to improve in from a military perspective. Uh, they have all kinds of different purposes, not just the ones that they tell you that they're for. Right, right. And, they being yeah. the people running the exercises. Sure, whomever is in charge of the official statements. And they are, we have to say it, they are necessary. Uh, in, mm-hmm. they, they are necessary definitely in the minds of the people who are scheduling them. Or, or what would you say? Would you say waging a military exercise or would you say producing a military exercise? Yeah, I, do, I don't know. Uh, we are participating in yeah, a military exercise. That's a good thing. And the most, to me, the most dangerous aspect of this ultimately is this, this can degenerate into actual warfare. So imagine if imagine if um, there's someone who is convinced that Jade Helm is the reckoning that we have heard so many people warn up before and that the federal government will come in jackboot style and take over 
every town, every municipality in this area take away their guns, their right to free travel, which is a big thing that a lot of other countries don't have. And uh, someone being convinced of that attacks. Yeah, they fire forces. first. They fire first. While an exercise is happening. Right. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't know, but it's a it's a it's a dangerous thing for everyone involved. Uh, I used to I don't know how much we want to get into this, but but I used to be familiar with um, some of the companies, and these would be like private companies that assist in playing uh, war games really? in Louisiana. Yeah, and uh, there will be civilians who are tasked with being role players. So this- crisis actors. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, definitely they could. They didn't call them crisis actors. That, that's a company, I think. It, it that is a private term for a general thing. Ah, okay. But uh, but again, another thing that we we have to keep hammering home is we don't know. We don't know what happens July fifteenth to September fifteenth. I have not seen, and this is just me, guys, and and. Please email me if, if you have something that, that is to the contrary. But I have not seen anything yet that says this would be some sort of takeover. And, you know, Alex Jones over at InfoWars um, originally, like, they're, they're in a fight now about mm-hmm. how the story was told because now it's about how the media reported it. And they're saying that they never called it a government takeover or that it was going to be an incremental thing. Um but they, they've been under attack for that, and they're saying that the people attacking them made a straw man and put words in their mouths and then attacked them for things they didn't say. Hmm. But the truth of the matter is that uh, despite the fact that I have, I have not seen any evidence that this would be some kind of one-world power or Uncle Sam takeover of these seven states, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what will happen on the 15th. I, I can say that so many military exercises take place and have taken place, though not of this size. Uh, and during those times, they were not treated as the threat that Jade Helm is being treated as. True. So everyone out there, if you are in a state where this is taking place, make sure make sure you're streaming video or posting to Live Leak or Twittering to Ben and I, so we you know can have an understanding of what's happening. Um, it would it would be really I would love to just have that kind of first person perspective. Yeah, and let us know if you think it's absolute BS too. I mean, mm-hmm. what, like I I would love to see I would love to see firsthand accounts. Yeah. I, I want to see what it looks like. Although, I, you know, I don't know how closely they're going to protect the areas where mm. this stuff is going to take place. Um, but, you know, everybody's got cell phones. so. And to show you what big fans we are of listener mail, we are going to check some out right now. Okay, so Chad E. writes to us and says, Hey, Ben and Matt, I've been listening to and watching the podcast for a long time. Not too long ago on one of your podcasts, you mentioned the desire to someday visit the Utah NSA Data Center. We totally want yes. to do that, Chad. Uh, okay, Chad says, I drive past it every day on my 
commute to work. I took a picture the other day. This is about the closest that the general public is able to get. All five buildings seen in the picture are part of the center. We're all, they're all very drab cement structures. There are only two roads to access the buildings. The first is through Camp W.G. Williams, the neighboring military base, uh, and north or to the right in the included picture. The second is an access road that turns off the main highway. It is marked as a private drive for employees, authorized personnel only. Ever since the data center has been active, there has been a police car parked on or near the access road 24-7. It always has its lights flashing. It's very distracting and, to my mind, attracts more attention than necessary yeah. to the buildings, especially when a little further up the access road is a full-blown security check station. Sorry the picture isn't better quality. I took it from the passenger seat while carpooling. There isn't a whole lot to see, but there are some little things that make you wonder when you drive past those buildings on the hill. Hope you enjoy. Keep up the good work, Chad. It is a great picture, Chad. Uh, thank you. It's on my desktop right now. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I stink at taking pictures. So I'm, I'm always in awe of someone who can do it from a moving vehicle with what looks like a, you know relatively little time as you're driving by. Mm-hmm. We'd absolutely love to see the data center. Um, I don't know if we'll get a shot to. Well, Chad, let us see it. He did. Yeah, we I, let's amend that. We'd like to see inside of it. Yes. And uh, I, I don't know. I guess the, the police uh, the police car makes sense to me in case something goes and they need somebody right by the road or repetition and security. That makes Maybe. sense. Yeah, it does seem like a strange use of resources to have the lights on at all times. And I don't know. It seems like you just construct a barrier there of some sort or a gate. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. Eh, who, who knows? Who knows? There's maybe it's be a, a lot cheaper just to have a patrol car. Right oh, there. yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it is. Uh, here's a question. Um, DB writes to us to say, what camera do you film on? Oh, well, okay, DB. Uh, we usually film on, when you're looking at the vlogs, a Sony EX1, which is a slightly older camera that we've had here at How Stuff Works for a while. It was mm. the first camera we ever got that records uh, to solid-state media yeah. rather than having tape. For a long time, uh, we used to record on these H... <laughs> right. well, I don't even remember. HDV, I think, is what it was called. I think so, yeah. Um, it was another Sony camera that mm-hmm. recorded to... It was almost HD, but it was all interlaced. And uh, I'm sorry if I'm too inside baseball no, no, about no, that stuff. It. But yeah. this it's the one that Ben and I use because you can plug his microphone that Ben uses directly into the camera rather than having a separate piece of hardware to record his audio. Yeah. And, uh, that's the way we've, we've been doing it for a while. Another one we use is a, uh, it is a GH2 and sometimes a GH4. Mm -hmm. And these are Lumix cameras and they are, they are fantastic visually, but Mm -hmm. the audio side, it just makes it a little more complicated. Yeah. But also, my my nickname uh, for the original camera or our main our main go to camera is Old Faithful because we mm-hmm. also realized this is a little bit sneaky, but we also realized that if we kept using that camera and we were the only people who yes. used that camera, then we wouldn't have to. Um, it, it's way easier for us to shoot um, at any time. Yeah, basically, I can keep the camera by my side with everything Ben and I will need to shoot gorilla style at all times, which makes me very happy. All right. So thank you for writing, DB. Really yeah. appreciate it, man. That's a that's a that's a great answer too. Um, all right. So, uh, well, you want to do one more? Sure. All right, Ben. Here is a letter from Brian. 
Brian writes and says, Hi, looking at Google Earth. I became curious about the river valleys that appear to be well below the current level of the ocean. I live in the Puget Sound area, so the coast of Washington State piques my curiosity. These anomalies occur around the world and are not specific to my location. The question is, if mankind has always lived close to water, then why are we looking for civilizations in the wrong locations? Perhaps we ought to be looking along prior waterways and along the prior coastlines. Hmm. I'm attaching two screenshots, which he did. And it's basically, let's see. Yeah, here we go. One is unaltered, and the other one I've traced the route of the Columbia River. Uh, Go on Google Earth and see it for yourself. To my knowledge, this is not an issue you have covered. The rise in ocean level might be explained by the star water hypothesis put forth by suspicious observers on YouTube. That is not something I am familiar with, Mm -hmm. the star water hypothesis. But these Google Earth images are really interesting, and I love that idea that, well, what if the water levels are very different from what we're being told, Ben. And that's where civilizations used to be. The good thing is that there is science you can look Mm -hmm. at with a lot of this stuff that can kind of demystify it or maybe even re-mystify it for you if you've already thought you had the answer. Raise more questions. It is true. It is true that we have, we being the human species, not Noel, Matt, Scully, and I, uh, we have in the past found uh, entire cities just submerged and forgotten in the depths. Yeah. And, and and I'm not I'm not saying like an Atlantis thing, but I am saying Oh that, you're not? No, I am saying it actually happens, uh though we we did a great oh man, it's still one of my one of my favorites, uh that one of my favorite topics we ever looked at, Matt, was uh lost civilizations. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some real strange stuff there. And one of the spoiler alert, one of the big conspiracies, if you haven't heard this episode yet, let me ruin it for you. One of the big conspiracies about um South American cities, you always hear about them being found in the jungle, right? Mm-hmm. Or or maybe submerged somewhere that's totally possible. There's this big con- there's this conspiracy theory or speculation that uh, governments are either completely not in a hurry to find these lost towns and cities, or if they know about it, they're working to not have other people know or to just have these remain undiscovered because of the massive cost of upkeep and reconstruction and protection. Uh, so Yeah, the city or yeah. state or the government is going to have to pay for all this in some way. And I, I don't have any proof of that, but I, I thought it was so interesting, <laughs> this idea that there might be a financial incentive not to... Discover the history of the land you're on. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, uh, anyway, you guys, thank you for listening. Uh, Matt and Noel and I are going to head out. I guess uh, Agent Scully will just stay here. Yeah, she always does. I don't know what I don't know what she does with her time, but uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get uh, back to work on a couple of top secret projects and uh, some new videos and to make those new videos to explore those new stories we need your help so you can uh, write to us on Facebook and Twitter if you have ideas for a new topic and it doesn't have to be a topic suggestion you can just say hi if you want we're fine with that heck yeah Um, and you can send us an email directly our address is conspiracy at howstuffworks.com For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff.
It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.